amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Blog Talk Radio. Are we having sound problems? Are we better now? Uh-oh. Are we good? Tell me it's better, guys. Are you hearing me? I hope you're hearing me now. Uh, let's start that again. Welcome to Let's Talk TV Live. I am your host, Barbara Barnett. Yes. Um, and I apologize for the technical glitches. That was my fault this week. Uh, this time, I apologize. Um, so, welcome to the show. Um, I am the executive editor of Blog Critics Magazine and the publisher and editor-in-chief of Let's Talk TV, TV Blog, 
welcome to our House Rewatch show. Um, I was just saying that we have some really excellent shows coming up. The end of the month, uh, the last Tuesday night of the House Rewatch, the last Tuesday night in February, I'm going to be welcoming to the show Andrew Holtz, who is the author of the Medical Science of House book uh, that came out several years ago. And he um, came out with another book a couple of years ago that uh, also talks about how uh, how much those all those house procedures cost. So, you know, a case that house would solve, how much does that add up to in dollars these days? So that should be a really interesting show, a lot of fun. Andrew and I connected on Twitter, and um, it'll be a great show. I've never talked to him actually live, but uh, it'll be a fun interview. Uh, we're sponsored tonight by Wireless One Marketing, who created my amazing app. If you haven't gotten it, make sure you download it. It's free. You can get it on iTunes or you can get it on play.google.com. It is Let's Talk TV is the name of the app. You can grab the QR code on my letstalktv.barbarabarnett.com website as well. The other thing I wanted to tell you about um, as far as programming goes is uh, the last Monday night show of the month, I'm going to be joined by Wally Pedrazic, professor of communications at the University of Illinois, and he wrote a, he's written several books on TV, and he and I sat on a panel uh, that was on medical doctors versus TV doctors um, at U of I, and uh, it was a couple years ago, and I invited him on the show so we could talk about not only House, but all the great medical shows that have been on since the 50s. So 60th anniversary this year of the medical show, or actually it was last year, um, of the medical show. So those are kind of programming announcements. Um, I have one other announcement to make, and I, many of you have been asking me about it now for a, a year or so, uh, last six months since House has been off the air, whether I was going to do a follow-up book to Chasing Zebras. So um, I have decided that, yes, I am going to do a follow-up book, and it should be coming out. It'll be strictly an ebook, um, and it should be coming out sometime over the summer, maybe toward the end of the summer. It could be before, but probably toward the end of the summer it will be coming out. Um, I've already started to put it together, and I'm really excited. It will follow, in a way, the format of Chasing Zebras, um, but it'll diverge. I will have some new interviews in it. I will have some complete interviews in it that no one's ever seen in in their complete form, um, new essays. Um, I, I'm trying to figure out a title for the book. So my first thought is, welcome to the end of the thought process, but that's kind of a long title. Another thought was, um, now what, now that the show is over, and now what a house MD postmortem. So that was another possibility. Anyway, so if you guys have an idea for a title for the book, if you if your title is chosen, uh, shoot me an email or contact me on Twitter. Um, send me an email or contact me versus you know over at my site. And if I pick your title for my book, you will be acknowledged in the book, A, and B, you will get a copy of it. So um, 
the last one, the postmortem one. Okay, Katie likes the postmortem one. Now what? A house MD postmortem. That's a, that's a, I like that. Okay, so I, I might go with that, but let's see what all you guys can come up with. Last week, there were a few hundred people that listened to the show live, which was really exciting. So hopefully any of you guys who are live, I, I, it took me a while to figure out that just because you're not in the chat room doesn't mean that you're not here. So you can be here, but not in the chat room. So, um, so welcome everybody, uh, to the show. So anyway, um, what else, what else, what else? Um, I wanted to get into this evening's talk, this chat. So we are all the way up to maternity. Now, I just watched maternity again. I probably have maternity committed to memory. I almost don't even have to watch it. Um, Maternity was probably, of the very early house episodes, probably besides the pilot, my favorite. Um, There's so many great things about it, so many things that make it a classic house episode. I know that Amy, who is in the chat room, is Tracy Hepburn, um, said to me on Twitter that that was one of her favorite episodes. Um, I can quote it chapter and verse, and she's typing now. Hi, Amy. Uh, Hi, Tracy Hepburn. Um, And we've got more guests joining us in in the chat room, and we've got Gabby, and we've got Katie, and Tracy Hepburn fan, um, I am too. I'm a Tracy Hepburn fan too. And a couple of guests have joined too. So that's really nice. So so let's talk about maternity. Why is maternity my favorite, one of my favorite episodes of the early first season? I think what it does for the first time is it really gets into the ethics of the show. Really hard. Um, you have an ethical dilemma that is about babies, first of all, which always makes things compelling. But we'll get to that in a minute. So let's just kind of refresh your memory. I'm going to give you a synopsis of the episode. Uh, the, and the episode was written by Peter Blake. Peter was this it was has been with the show since season one, was in the series all the way till its end, and now writes for the wonderful CBS series that airs on Thursday nights elementary. Um, and Peter and I have been in contact a couple of times and uh, I, I had forgotten that Peter wrote this great episode. So yay, Peter, congratulations on this episode. Um, the director is Newton Siegel, who I don't know if he directed any other episodes except for this one. He did a great job. Anyway, so in maternity, the team is trying to diagnose six newborns that have become critically ill in the hospital maternity unit after House finds what appears to be a brewing epidemic. The question is, does he want there to be an epidemic or does he really know? Everyone's kind of skeptical, you know, a sick baby does not make an epidemic, right? But soon they realize that as as far apart as those babies are in Princeton Plainsboro Hospital scattered on on more than one floor, it is indeed an epidemic. And the situation, they race against the clock to identify the bacteria or virus, and they've sort of eliminated the idea of a virus um, because it's brewed up in in a way that that would not be indicative of a virus. Um, And they try to figure out what to treat treat the babies with, whether it is vancomycin or whether it is 
um, acyclo uh, sorry, not acyclovir, um, uh, astrionam. Ha, I forgot my, that's not, uh, encyclovir is not a, uh, is not a bacterial, it's not an antibiotic, it's an antiviral. That's what I was trying to say. Anyway, as the situation becomes dire, House proposes testing two antibiotics on two of the sick babies, knowing that only one of the drugs will work. It is likely that one of the infants will die in the process, but there seems to be no alternative. Cuddy and the legal department are very uncomfortable when House insists this must be done, that he must do it without getting the parents' informed consent. Ultimately, she leaves it in House's hands to do what he thinks is best. House decides to run the trial, but it only leads indirectly to the ultimate diagnosis. And, of course, the diagnosis was it was an Echo 11 enterovirus. It wasn't a bacterium. Um, it was an enterovirus spread by a hospital volunteer. Who Did any of you guys see that coming during the episode? Anyone? Uh, it, it was like, wow, that was sort of like a... Um, I didn't I didn't get that until the very, very end of the episode. And you actually see the little, you know, stuffed teddy bears all over the place. So, um, and I didn't. I was completely thrown for a loop. It's like, ha! I was trying to figure out what was going on. And I have a background in uh, microbiology. And I was trying to figure out what was going on. And I was dumbfounded. Anyway, so it was an Echo 11 enterovirus. It was a virus, not a, not a bacteria. So how did they come to this conclusion? Well, when they're testing the baby's blood, what was the, what was the problem? Um, none of it made any real sense until House suddenly realizes that infants share their mother's immune systems. So they share their immune systems. Uh, so they've got those that natural immunity built in, but he needed to also test the mother's blood. What did they not have the proper antibodies for? And that was the solution, and that was what the solution was. Um, one of the things that was really noteworthy, I think, in the episode, um, aside from the very serious um, case that they had and the ethical issues that it raised, was the very funny clinic patient, the kind of ditzy pregnant girl, woman, young, newly married. Um, and I thought that was great. It was one of the first episodes where you have a, a, um, a clinic patient and she come, he or she keeps coming back. And there were a few episodes that they did that um, in detox. The clinic patient in detox was also kind of came back several times. And I always enjoyed those. I thought those, um, because you've got House having kind of a weird relationship with the clinic patients that way. Um, but to me, what what was your favorite moment in this episode? Um, those of you who are in the chat room, type away or, or call in. You can call into the show. The number is 718-305-6982. Or if you have Skype, you can just Skype in and just click on the Skype button. Um, at the top of the screen, and you can Skype in. I would love to to actually talk to a person. Katie is saying she's surprised they didn't get complaints because of the um, can you do anything about it line. Ha. Huh. Well, you know, 
there were a lot of things in this episode that were kind of edgy for the time. I mean, we're talking about 2004. You have a um, a lesbian couple with a baby. Nothing, you know, one of the things I really loved about that, I thought that was really cool because it just was, you know, it just was. Um, there was, there were two women, it was their baby, um, there was nothing, there was no big deal made of it. They were important to the story, but that wasn't important to the story. And I really think that that was such a, an amazing uh, part of it. Um but um, where she says, yes, with the clinic patient, where, where it's uh, can you do anything about it line. I love that line. Do you want to elaborate on that, Katie, and tell the class? Because um, you got to tweak my memory because I'm not remembering it. Um, Amy says, one of my favorite moments was house preparing to do the autopsy. Okay. So, so Tracy Hepburn fan really hit on one of my two favorite scenes in this whole episode. House doing the autopsy always struck me. You have him being so, you know, he's usually so off the wall and so I don't really care. Um, He's really kind of goofy, but he's so serious and so grave at that moment with the autopsy. You know this is weighing on him. You know this is this really matters to him to to give this baby um, dignity. Um, it was such an important stood out in my mind so much. I swiped that scene, not completely, but I swiped the idea for that scene for uh, the novel I just finished writing. And there's a scene, um, not a scene, but that my main character makes reference to having done autopsies on an infants, and because he's a pathologist. And uh, it was just resonating in my head. Now, my other favorite scene, and I've mentioned this scene before, because to me, like the autopsy scene, um, really shows how the writers and Hugh Laurie conspired to make House such a compelling character. Um, You know, the the autopsy scene, there's no dialogue in it, just at the very beginning when he talks into the recorder. And, of course, um, it's all in Hugh Laurie's body language and his eyes, and it is really, really a stunning, stunning scene um, for its power. And you really understand that no matter what House says or no matter how he acts to um, the people around him, House it really does care. It really does matter to him. He's quite serious about the medicine. Um, And the other scene that impresses me in the same way was the scene, you have the scene where um, House goes to Cuddy and the legal department guy and says, okay, I want to do this therapeutic trial. Now, he's just had an argument with his team. And in his team, Foreman in particular says, you can't do this. What he wants to do is take these two babies and test these two different antibiotics on the two babies. One gets one, one gets the other, knowing that one of them is not likely going to survive it. So what happens? He, the, the team is like, we well, can't do that. You can't experiment. You, you know, you have to pick one. Pick the one that you think is going to work. Well, if it's the wrong one, now you don't have one dead baby. You have two dead babies. 
and um, possibly six dead babies if they do nothing. So, you know, this idea of you know, the Hippocratic Oath, do no harm, is all well and good. And we know that in the, the episode Socratic Method, House says, yeah, I, I took, a, took a look at that Hippocratic Oath once, and um, it didn't really impress me, or words to that effect. And that was, I think, in the episode, um, yeah, Socratic Method, um, where he says that. And, you know, the idea of do no harm is a really, really important idea, but in house, he makes a really good argument in so many ways and in so many episodes as to why do no harm can do more harm than doing a little bit of harm. So when he goes to Cuddy and, and the lawyer and says, look, this is what I want to do. We've got six dead babies. We've got, uh, sorry, we've got six sick babies. We have more babies beginning to show symptoms. If we do nothing, they're all going to die. We have to do something. We need to do this therapeutic trial. And um, and House makes the argument that, well, we do this kind of diagnostic testing, therapeutic trial all the time. And Cuddy argues on adults with informed consent. And when House says, yeah, I'll get, I'll get consent, he leaves out the informed part. Uh, the lawyer says it's got to be informed consent which means that the parents have to know that the other sick baby is getting a different medication and why. And um, if they do that, as House knows, they are not going to get consent from either set of parents. So that puts Cuddy in an interesting situation where, on one hand, she's violating ethics if she allows House to go along with it. To, sorry, if she goes along with House and allows him to do it. On the other hand, no one knows what's causing this epidemic. House has found the epidemic and um, has a way to possibly find out how to, how to break it. And if she doesn't let him try, then where's the ethics in that? So it's a really interesting dilemma that they have, that Cuddy has. And what does she do in the end? She basically washes her hands of the whole thing, lays it all on House's shoulders. She she really abrogates her responsibility and says, you do what is best. She's not comfortable with it, but um, she doesn't want to, she doesn't want to know. She doesn't want to know what he decides to do. Um, and it lets her off the hook on an emotional level, if not a legal level. It probably doesn't let her off the hook legally, but it does let her off the hook emotionally that she's not making this decision. So House goes back to his office and, you know, so, so back, sorry, backing up. So the lawyer's like, well, how are you going to decide? Flip a coin. And House's very flip answer to the uh, lawyer is, got a quarter? It's a very flip answer. It, it really suggests that House really is that cold-hearted bastard who is going to just, you know, go in there and take the life of an innocent baby without really considering the gravity of the situation. And that's how House sounds. But he goes back to his office and he sits down and there's nobody else around. There's no dialogue in this scene. And the stage directions don't say anything. They say, House takes out a quarter, he flips a coin, and he decides. 
And if I ever interview Peter Blake about this episode again, and I haven't talked to Peter like live for a few months, um, and I'm going to have to ask him about that because the way Hugh Laurie plays that scene is so there's so many emotions going through his eyes and through his body language that this he does understand this is so very important to him this is a, a, a very grave serious decision he's making he's essentially playing god you know he's making this decision and he flips the coin and the next thing you know is we know what's going to happen with the babies. So um, what goes on is um, um, they, that actually doesn't lead them to the um, to the solution directly at all. Um, and then, of course, that scene, by the way, when what happens is when they give the babies these two different um, these two different antibiotics, um, the baby dot one of the babies dies, and who does the autopsy? Getting back to um, uh, Tracy Hepburn fans' favorite scene, um, what House does, and this is the, the kind of the, the the bridging scene between the the coin toss scene and the autopsy scene. Everyone's dispirited. Everyone's in his office. Everyone is is depressed. And what happens is he basically tells everyone, go home. It's been a long day. It's been a sad day. There's nothing more you can do. Go home. Instead of assigning one of the fellows to do it, to, to assign Chase would probably be the one to assign to do the autopsy. And we have seen him doing an autopsy on an infant later in the series. Um, he doesn't choose them. He usually has them do all his dirty work for him. He sends them home. They're all dispirited. He does it himself. And to me, that whole little sequence is just such an incredible, incredible sequence. Um, so, you know, we have this therapeutic trial going on, which brings up, again, the ethics that, that are going on. What are House's ethics here? Um and again, it's one of the first, I think, real ethical dilemmas we have. Um, is his therapeutic trial ethical or even legal? What do you guys think? I mean, in one sense, as I said before, it violates the Hippocratic Oath of doing no harm. He is doing harm to one of the babies, both of them, if it doesn't work. Um, but on the other hand, if he does nothing... Then what? I just gave an interview, which, by the way, is going to be on a, TV, a radio show called uh, Dave White Presents. And I don't have the date yet. It'll be on in the next week or two, and I will uh, broadcast out the date. I'll put it on Twitter, and I'll put it on my Facebook and on my um, my Let's Talk TV site as well. But um, I was talking about the ethics, and, you know, one of the things that um, that came to my mind was the episode with the burn victim, with the boy who's been burned, um, and House waking him up from being in a barbiturate coma. And uh, the, the anesthesiologist says, you can't do that. You can't wake him up. 
you're going to be torturing him. And House's argument is, well, if I don't wake him up and torture him, he's going to die. If I wake him up and get this bit of information for 10 seconds, um, he's, he's going to live. So who's the ethical one, you know? Is is ethics, is modern medical ethics more about protecting, as House would say, protecting doctors' lifestyles as opposed to protecting patients' lives? So House's, his ethics are very, very consistent from season one through season eight. His ethics are always consistent. Um, he is, whatever is going to save the patient, you know, he's always treating, of course, the patients that come to house for the most part are patients who have been to two, three, 15 doctors and haven't been helped. So what do you do in a situation like that? And you have a situation like that here in maternity. Katie says in the chat room, something I've noticed with that scene where the baby dies, Chase and House are not wearing masks. But I think that's a dramatic thing. Yes. Um, it is. It is. Um, and, and a lot of times in the series, uh, you have situations where uh, they're not wearing masks. They should be wearing masks. House will go into an operating theater and not be wearing a mask, and he's not going to have the head, you know, the covering on his head, especially with all that scruff, you would think that. But I think that's just a dramatic thing. Um, when I have Bobbin Bergstrom on the show again, as I had her on a, a couple of weeks ago, um, I will have to ask her that. Or you can ask her that, Katie. You can come back on the show and ask her that yourself. Um, but, yes, that's something I will explore with her and explore with um, as well with Andrew, you know, about those kind of choices they make, you know, drama versus medical accuracy. But I will bet that Bobbin probably said something to them. Um, and if you're listening, Bobbin, go ahead and, and uh, correct me on that. And Katie replies saying that Chase's hair is in his face too. Ha, huh. but he's got such great hair, it's a shame to hide it. Indeed, he does have great hair. There are some actors that just have great hair. If I may say, from a completely shallow point of view, there are some actors that have just great hair, and Jesse Spencer, especially uh, in, in the first couple seasons where his hair is a little longer, and I'm partial to long hair, I'm not generally partial to blonde men, but he's got really great hair. Um, you could probably guess who I think also has great hair um, of the shows that I follow now. But, yes, Hugh Laurie does not have great hair. Um, sorry, Hugh. Don't mean to insult you. Jesse Spencer, great hair. Um, so the ethics of it um, – oh, and, and Tracy Hepburn, Amy says – when I first saw this episode, Maternity, I was so shocked that I agreed with House's choice in giving different medicines to the babies. Yeah, it does shock you. Um, when House makes a decision that would seem on its face to be completely unethical and you agree with him, that really, to me, marks what a great show this is and what a fantastic, uh, thought-provoking episode some of these are. There's um, an episode coming up that we'll talk about in several weeks called Control. Um, again, he makes a decision to lie about the patient. Um, he didn't lie in maternity, but he makes a decision to lie 
about um, a patient uh, having bulimia because if she has bulimia, then she will not be able to get a heart transplant. And if she can't get the heart transplant, it's like signing her death sentence. And House couldn't bring himself to do that. He doesn't know this woman. He doesn't know who she is. He only knows she's a young, troubled woman, and he can't bring himself to sign her death warrant, so he lies. Um, you could say he lies because he doesn't want to lose. He doesn't want to lose a patient. For him to lose a patient is taking a little piece of him away. But I think it's really tied up in House's own sense of ethics and morality and has so much to do. It's all of that is so wrapped up in his own pain and his own treatment as a patient, which of course we don't find out until the end of season one. So um, the ethics is something that we'll explore quite a bit as we go through this rewatch <clears throat> and, uh, and something that I think about a lot as I'm looking forward to um, to working on the new book. So, um, by the way, you can, this is public, and if you want to tell people that there is a new book forthcoming, um, please go ahead and spread the word. I want to I wanna see if there's interest out there, and if there is no interest out there, um, I won't, you know, I won't go ahead with the project, but I, I, I am planning on it, and it is partially, it's out there, it's in my uh, word processor, and and well underway. Um, so yes, So, but please spread the word um, about the book. I'm, I'm very excited about it. So yes, ethics is going to be something that I will explore in seasons seven and eight. And ethics, I think, even though it wasn't, a, they weren't as overt a topic during the seventh and eighth season, um, that ethics was really in the background, not only insofar as House treating patients, but also as far as the character of House and he, how he is treated. Um, Gabby says, I am interested about the book. Yes. Oh, good. I'm glad. So spread the word, Gabby, amongst all of the House fans out there in your circle. And and uh, let's get some excitement generated about it because I am very excited. So let's um, keep going with this. So um, it's a really interesting look at Cameron and it's a really I think we get an early kind of a foreshadowing about what Cameron's story is because she has a lot of difficulty telling the patient's family that their baby is likely to die um, and that's a really important thing because it happens a couple of times. And not only does House notice it, Foreman notices it, Wilson notices it. She can't deliver bad news. Um, as House would say in three stories, uh, maybe she failed dying 101. You know, how do you tell a family that their, that their baby might die? Is, is Cameron right, by the way? Is giving them hope for a few more hours the right thing to do? And it's another ethical question. Um, should she just suck it up and figure out how to tell patients' families the bad news? Um, and she argues that it doesn't matter what she tells them. When that that loved one dies, 
when that loved one dies, um, it doesn't matter what she says because they're going to be devastated by it, especially an infant. And we know, of course, that her husband, she's a widow, and we don't learn about that for a while. So, um, and it becomes actually a huge, huge part of the story, but not until season five. And um, so this is a really nice little bit of foreshadowing. It's one of those, one again, one of the things I always loved about the show is it, they never um, hesitated about uh, planting little story threads and then picking them up many episodes later or many seasons later. And that's one of the things that I think about House as being, you know, this this very long novel or maybe a five-book um, novel series. You know, if you look at every season as a novel, um, I think that that's one of the things I really like about the show is it it is such a literary, such a novel, like such a, a book uh, to read um, or to watch. Um, and those little story threads are always so lovely. Gabby says, it was a pity we didn't get more backstory for Cameron than only the story she married a terminal cancer patient. Yeah, I would have liked to know more about Cameron. Very much so. Um, we didn't know much about her, you know, her, her education. We don't know about her parents. We don't know where she's from, except that we suspect she's from Chicago because that's where she went after she and Chase divorced. Um, but we don't know anything about her, and it's a pity we didn't get to know more. We got to know more about Foreman. We got to know more about Chase. Um, we got to know more about uh, about um, Taub. Um, we got to know more about several of the characters, and we never got to know much about Cameron, unfortunately. Um, tr uh, Amy says in the chat room, um, it's funny, after you learn about House's paternity situation, oh, it's scrolling up, paternity situation, and then see the clinic scene in this episode where the patient didn't know if her husband or her ex was the father of the baby, and House made the comment um, that, um, I've lost it, that the best marriages start with a lie. That's actually a really interesting um, parallel. Um, again, it's one of those things, do we know at that point? Did the writers know at that point um, that House suspects that he's illegitimate? We don't know. That's a really good question to explore. That's also a really good question to explore when we get to, um, you know, we get to, to the later uh, episodes as well. So very interesting. It's a great comment, Amy. And Katie says, I wasn't surprised she had a baby and a new husband at the end. I was glad she was happy, um, which is great. It is lovely um, that she had that closure. Um, and that I thought that was really important. And then she went off to star in her own show, uh, which is lovely. And her storyline is going to ramp up in Once Upon a Time, by the way, which is great. And by the way, I really think, um, and this is an aside for those of you who watch Once Upon a Time, and some of you know that I follow Once Upon a Time. I write about it on a weekly basis. I've interviewed many of the, the people associated with it. And um, I was just making the comment um, to, I think it was to Jane Espenson, 
Um, it could have been to Adam Horwitz and Eddie Kitsis as well, but how much uh, Jennifer has really grown into the part of Emma Swan in Once Upon a Time. I really, I, when she st- when the show started out last season, I was like, hmm, I'm not sure, you know, I'm not sure I'm, I'm liking Jennifer so much in this and, you know, but I, I stuck with it and she really, I, I'm just so impressed with her um, this season, especially, and how she's really grown into that character and gave her so many dimensions. And Gabby says here, for example, okay, this is back about Cameron. For example, I would have loved to get to know why she had this screw up, screwed up naive moral compass, which annoyed so many people. Yeah, it annoyed a lot of people, definitely. It didn't annoy House. I think he sort of valued her moral compass. But it was very, um, very rigid. There was not a lot of flexibility in her morality. And, you know, you wonder if that was from her upbringing. I would imagine that it would be. Um, I'm sure there's fan fiction out there that explores why she is the way she is. Um, But I don't think it bothered House. I think he really valued that in her um, because that was something that his ethics and his morality was also if you think about it his own moral compass even though he would say he had no moral compass um if you look at the way his morality had worked over the course of eight seasons you would see that his ethics and morality are also very rigid he has a very distinct moral compass. It's an idiosyncratic moral compass, but it is absolutely consistent. And he has things that, um, you know, even things that, that come to like euthanasia or mercy killing in season three with informed consent, you had the patient wanting to um, have House euthanize her, him and House refused because the guy wasn't going to die necessarily. Um, and he wouldn't just euthanize someone just because. So um, his moral compass was very, very strict. Her moral compass was very strict, but in a different kind of a way. So I'm wondering, you know, if he really appreciated that. Um, Gabby says she is a big fan of Jennifer Morrison and like her in Once Upon a Time, as do I. As I said, I think she's doing a great job as Emma Swan, and I'm really excited, by the way, um, to see the next couple of episodes where she and Mr. Gold slash Rumpelstiltskin are off in New York exploring the real world, which, you know, in Storybrooke, it's Mr. Gold's domain, but the real world is her domain. And he's going to be, you know, much, much uh, reliant and dependent on her. So that'll be, it'll be really fun. I've actually loved the episodes where she, and um, where Jennifer and, and Robert Carlyle have had scenes together, because I think there's a, a lot of energy um, in those uh, in those scenes. So, um, yes, I'm looking forward to it. Those upcoming episodes, Jennifer Morrison, definitely I'm really liking her in Once Upon a Time. And I look forward to hopefully meeting her um, again this summer at Comic-Con and uh who knows? Um, I might sit down to a one-on-one with her. 
Anyway, so getting back to our episode, I want to wrap things up because we're almost through our 45-minute episode here. Um, So classic rant. Um, You know, this is is a rant that I have. And in fact, um, all the way back when I was studying microbiology as an undergraduate, we learned about superbugs and that we treat everything. You know, you have a cold, oh, take antibiotics. Uh, there is antibiotic cream on every, you know, the, the, the antibiotic soap and the non-soap stuff everywhere. Um, kids, you know, you'd, in the olden days, kid would eat a little bit of dirt. You know, you eat a little dirt, it's, eh, it's good for you. It's not going to kill you. Three-second rule, you know, you pick something up off the floor, eh, it's not going to kill you. We are so hyper-sanitized in this country that um, – Superbugs resistant bacteria are such an issue. Um, and my when my mother passed away three years ago, um, it was because of a resistant strain of a uh, of a bacteria, and they didn't catch it. They didn't catch that it was a resistant strain, and um, and it and it ended up killing her. So I I love House's rant about superbugs. Um, they people overprescribe antibiotics. When my kids were little. I always ask the doctor, why are you prescribing this? She has a cold. He has a cold. It's a virus. It's an upper respiratory virus. Oh, but we want to make sure. I'm like, no. You know, if you're going to if you're going to prescribe an antibiotic, it has to be for something. And and I think House was absolutely right and I think that that was probably my absolutely 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 favorite rant of houses all through season one. So we are, um, we are out of time. This has gone by quickly. It's always fun to have you guys in the chat room uh, to talk to. It's even more fun if you call in and I have somebody live to talk with. So maybe one of you guys can do that next time. Um, Did you lose sound? Uh Uh-oh. Are we losing sound? Did we lose sound again? Uh Uh-oh. We have lost sound. Uh oh. Sorry guys. Uh we've lost the feed. Um I will see you all next week. Ooh. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.